0: Good morning. Good afternoon.
1: Good, good evening. evening. Welcome. Welcome to a very hot and sizzling edition of Myth Take, our tenth episode. Yeah, okay, really. I thought it was nine, but that's good. Oh. I thought it was 10. Oh, well, something like that. Someone should be keeping track of these things. Yeah, Yeah, we probably should. Um, And I say hot and sizzling because we are in the midst of a very hot and very dry spell towards the end of July here as we're recording this. And we hope wherever you are that you are enjoying your summer as well.
0: Uranos, 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 Uranos. There we
1: go. We're done. (laughs) Have a good evening. Pack it up. Yes, this is going to be a challenging one, isn't it? Um, we've already talked a lot about um, Uranus in our earlier um, episodes on Jupiter and on Saturn. Yeah. Um, sorry, blanked out there for a minute. Yes. I'm in the heat. Um, so, we should int- introduce ourselves. Don't I'm Darren Sundstrom. And I'm Alison. This is I, Myth Take. Yep, and uh, Mugs the Cat is around somewhere too, and you'll probably hear from her. So, <sighs> Uranus and... Uranus. Uranus. Yeah. Yes.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, you mean is yeah, uh, yeah? Kaelum, yeah, means sky. Yes. Yes. Yeah. If you want the Roman version, right? And this is interesting in a sense because they went with the Greek, right? That broke the tradition, because Uranus um, is Greek.
1: Yeah, but it's spelled in the Roman way, Uranus. But,
0: uh, but Kaelum, Kaelum means sky or heaven. That's the oh, same right. god okay, in, the, yeah. in, the, in the Roman. M- okay mythos yeah mythos, yeah, right? okay. yeah I see so that, yeah. you know but so they just went with the they went with a greek yeah, right? which is kind of cool so hey there's there's something we came up with <laughs> right
1: okay well i did i did a little bit of reading about the um planet itself so i can give us a little bit of a rundown on that to start with yeah we, we need um, our
0: um data on on fascinating yeah. and so this is this is the segment of the, the show. planet
1: this is the segment of the show called the classicist pretends to know something about astronomy yes okay um so 7th planet from the sun it is 19.19 astronomical units from the sun. Do you re- do you remember what an astronomical unit, you, you unit is? You constantly quizzing me on this. Well, I think I know, one AU to... is the distance from the sun to the earth. Exactly. Right. Okay. So basically it's out um, there. and this is all from the NASA website, so any mistakes blame them. Um <laughs> if the sun were the size of a front door, earth would be the size of a nickel and Uranus uh, would be the size of a baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so not, not
0: big, mega giant bigger than Earth, but much bigger than map. Earth, yeah. but
1: um, certainly a heck of a lot smaller than the Sun, of course. And it is a weird planet because it actually rotates on its side, so it has very weird seasons. One day on Uranus is seventeen hours. Right. One year is eighty-four Earth years, or thirty thousand six hundred eighty-seven days. So, you would be much younger. Yes than you are here, Mm -hmm. Um, rotates uh, east to west, so opposite of Earth rotation as well. So it's a little bit of a mixed up. Um, Scientists think that it was maybe bumped into by some, like there was some in relatively recent time. um,
0: Oh yeah, on a cosmological scale. Yeah,
1: um, it was crashed into by something else that has made it... All a little bit wonky. Yeah. Um, so it's an ice giant. Water, meth- methane, and ammonia. And then the methane. There's a there's some methane in the atmosphere, which again is largely hydrog- hydrogen and helium. Mm-hmm. And the methane is what gives it its beautiful bluish color.
0: Right. Yeah. I also heard that the methane is responsible for possibly hiding mm-hmm. the um, the icy core. No. The more sort of um, I don't know. The more It could have bands like Jupiter, but we don't know because the methane is sort of cloaks the entire planet.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Um, I learned that it has what's called the great dark spot. So Jupiter Uh, has the great red spot. This is the great dark spot. So same idea that it's uh, some kind of storm that um, is ongoing. Uh Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, 27 moons. Hot. And these ones, interestingly, are named from Shakespeare. So they are. we were really hoping that we would have some... Here's a fast Greek rundown.
0: Greek. Cordelia, Ophelia, Bianca, Cressida, Des- Desdemona, Juliet, Portia, uh, Rosalind, Cupid, Belinda, Perdita, and Puck. Those are the 12. I won't give you all 27. Okay, good. Those are the first 12, <laughs> right, of, uh, that they're all in there. The
1: largest moons are Oberon and Titiana. Yeah. And um, some of the moons are as small as 12 to 16 kilometers across across so Mm -hmm. in the 8 to 10 mile range so some of them are quite tiny and they're blacker than asphalt so you can imagine why it has been very hard to identify moons um because you're standing on earth and you are you are looking up into black sky yes very extremely far away looking for very tiny black things Mm -hmm. um so no surprise hopefully that um uranus was not discovered until 1781 that's right and it was discovered by William Herschel, or maybe his sister Carolyn. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's George's planet, is what they yeah, call it. Yeah, well, that was what he initially wanted to mm-hmm. um, call it, was or George's Ma- star in honor of King George, I think it was the third Mad that Mad King uh, George. Yeah. But, I have this lovely book that I pulled off my bookshelf, called The Age of Wonder, by uh-huh. Richard Holmes. And, um, I read this a couple of summers ago, so I... Um, I was very excited to talk a little bit about Herschel. Um, Richard Holmes talks about kind of all of, all of the fascinating discoveries and developments that were being done in science and technology. And he has quite a lengthy section on the Herschels. And Carolyn was an astronomer in her own right. Mm -hmm. um, But given the society that she was in, um, she had to have her discoveries published as her brother's William. So even though she, um, it's a fascinating story. So if you can get your hands on this book, I really do recommend uh, And what's it called again? The Age of Wonder, How the Romantic Generation Discovered the Beauty and Terror of Science by Richard Holmes. Cool. Um, really, really good read. Um, and it's not not like science textbook. It's, no. it's a fantastic read. And especially if you're interested in women and the history of science uh, and how easily they get obscured.
0: I think the notion beyond that you know, gender game that's going on there. The idea is that for until that particular time, it was, you know, really not referred to as really anything. It was just yeah. discovered. And then they called it George's Star or George's Planet. Yeah, the that's William, Cetus, Yeah. Right? And then it wasn't even called Uranus until 1850. Yeah. So for a great deal well, of time, it they was did just it, well, called that. It was like and saying, part
1: of it... Well, how great would it be the king to have a planet named after it? But you know? part of it, too, was they didn't... There was a lot of debate whether this was a planet or whether this was a comet. Like mm-hmm. what exactly this was, yeah. and William and Carolyn built mm-hmm. t- built um, telescopes mm-hmm. um, and massive. And again, the book goes into into detail on that. Um, it would require just polishing glass literally for days without stopping. Oh, I can imagine. And Same. yeah, so this is you know this was cutting edge science. So mm-hmm. it wasn't readily adopted um, by everybody. And there, there was belief that you know, or or arguments that this was a comet. You know, it's very, very far away. It's very tiny, and um, they can see it with telescopes. But certainly, they don't have the resolution that we would expect to have today. Yeah. So you tell. Well, Well, the Royal Society is where you go go to. Yeah. So it's it's the Royal Society. Yeah, and and And,
0: I'm sure that that the that the reception in the Royal Society was a a great deal. I don't know, more open arms than it was, saying like, you know, the, well, the 1600s maybe. when Galileo had to go make up his mind of whether to go to the Vatican no, or not, not, and they said, no, oh, well, you know
1: what? Well, not, not <laughs> necessarily, because what you run into is a bunch of people who are eminent in, in their various fields, yeah. and they're appointed to the royal society, and we don't always like our ideas being challenged, especially yeah. if we consider ourselves experts in something, right? Yeah, well, yeah, well... Um, but, so, so it did take a while to get consensus that we were dealing with the planet here.
0: Uh, and I'm probably going to butcher the quote, but it was in response to Galileo's you know, information yeah. at the beginning of this revolution in, in science, uh, was the, <laughs> they, the Vatican said, I, I probably got it backwards, but it makes the most sense to me in this arrangement, was that the Bible was there to inform you of the workings of heaven and not how heaven works.
1: Ah. Right. So something like that. Yeah. So and actually I'm just thinking about that, um, in terms of Pluto. Um, mm-hmm. you and I growing up, we learned of Pluto as a planet that's and in right. relatively recent times. So you can even just think of how, how resistant many of us were to the idea that yeah, Pluto is not a planet. And I how know. can it not be a planet, right? Yep. Something so comes in. New ideas and new knowledge is not always quickly quickly adopted. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, it needs to be tested and tried out and and, and sorted out. Absolutely. Um The only spacecraft to visit. Oh, I knew it. Yeah?
0: Let me guess Voyager.
1: Which one? Uh, Two. Yes. Oh, there you go. Okay. 1986. All right. Um, Took nine years to get there. And they even had to do a long distance software upgrade. um, Because, you know, well, can can you imagine? Think how much it would change in nine years, right? Yeah. Technology. And, yeah. and they wanted to improve the quality of the pictures they were taking. And they sure. obviously can't upgrade the hardware at that yeah. point, but they did a long distance software upgrade. Yep. Um, Voyager 2. Now, I wasn't entirely clear on how this worked, but according to the information on NASA, it says it, it took nine years to get there, but then it really only collected information for like a total of six hours. Sure. Total. So... A really long trip for a very <laughs> little bit, but they it did discover ten more moons and two more rings. Because more rings. More I was rings. also surprised to learn that we have rings around Uranus. Uranus, okay. Okay, All right. um, fifteen rings, I believe. So initially thirteen, and then um, two more were confirmed in two thousand and five. So that in my math makes fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some inner narrow dark rings, some outer bright ones, and they were actually dis- discovered 1977 by accident. Um, there were two teams of astronomers, one in the States, I think, and one in um, Australia, mm-hmm. that were watching <coughs> the planet uh, move in front, of a, in front of a star, and they kind of saw the light blink. A, a couple of times as it moved across and yep. so then they're like, Oh my goodness, like what's going on here? And that's how they that's how they eventually figured out that Probably um it's dealing roll. with rings. So huh. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, everything's got rings. Um a couple of little um tidbits it's Do we have a multimeter for oh uh, Yeah, we do. Um I was just gonna say we've got a wonky magnetic field, a really strange magnetic field. Um, okay you I would not, not want to grow a, to try to grow a vegetable garden because you only get 1/400th of the earth's sunlight. Wow, yeah. So very, very little sunlight. Kind of dense yeah. atmospheric filter. And because of its because it's on its side yes, and it's got perpendicular axis. yeah. um it South there's these The sun. seasons are 20 years mm-hmm. long and True. so your seasons are like complete light or complete dark That's like cool. there's yeah. yeah. So it's very different from Earth. I did um, find
0: out one interesting fact uh, related to Uranus' unique perpendicular axis, that its south pole does face the sun, and as a result of this, you would think, well, this, that side would be the hottest side. No, in fact, its equatorial region, which is, does not face the sun, it faces, would be, you know, zenith yeah. and nadir in the opposite direction, is still uh, the hottest part of the planet. So the mechanism that creates that is unknown.
1: Yeah, so maybe there's something inside the planet yes. that's still generating, yeah. heat. That's generating heat. Okay, so our mug meter our eight pound cat on Earth, is seven point one one two pounds. So a little bit lighter, but not a, a huge, um, a huge, a huge mm-hmm. difference. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so I think that's kind of the rundown of the science part. Um, like I said, we'll have the link. And I'll put a link to that book up as well, just in case anybody's interested. Chasing in the it. sun. Uh, no, no, no. I'm going to talk about that oh, one later. Okay. The it's the wonder. age of wonder. Yeah. Okay. I'll get ahead of yourself yeah. there. Oh, no. Okay. I, you know, I just saw. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> Greek gods.
0: Greek Arnos. Yeah. Okay. Well, he doesn't have a lot of
1: data. I'll tell you that. We've already talked about him a lot. Yeah. Um, his his story. Up. His we almost should have done the planets in the opposite order and yeah. done the story chronologically. But anyway, we didn't. So yeah. here we are. Um, so. He it's the Ogony primary source. Yeah. So he is, uh, I guess he's say. the second generation. There's the, yeah, the primordial I'd, beings. Yeah. I'd um, say the
0: first sort of, you could say something like the first king.
1: Yeah. Of the cosmos, um, so obviously. according to Hesiod, the cosmos starts with chasm or chaos, which is not chaos in the sense of being chaotic, um, like having a herd of cats running around, um, but just like ca- but in the sense of chasm, yeah. um, space, chaos space, means void, void or space, yeah. um, and then Earth, and then Tartarus, which is the underworld, and then Eros, a force of attraction. Right. Um, so those are the first four beings, and then Earth. Gaya. Um, Gaia gives birth parthenogenically. So parth- a whole bunch of interesting yeah. things. So to many things yes. that populate the earth. Yeah. And one of the first things that actually the, the first thing she gives birth to is, is Uranus. Um, right. and, uh, to be so a he partner is and an equal to cover yes. her on all
0: sides. Yes. Someone and for her to copulate with,
1: yes. Um, it says, Earth first bore a child equal to herself, starry sky, Uranus, to cover her all over and to be an always safe home for the blessed gods.
0: Yeah, picture like a stack of three CDs on top of each other. Uh, um, going from top to bottom would be Uranus, the middle one would be Gaia, and the lower disc would be Tartarus. Tartarus. Right? Yeah,
1: yeah. And these, um, these early beings answer the kind of, the, um, if, if we're going to take a structuralist view as we are as we are wont to do mm-hmm. kind of answer the basic questions about humanity and that that come up in mythology, which is basically kind of how did we get here yeah
0: where did how it did from? earth
1: get here yeah and where do we go when we die totally um which is the tartarus um aspect of it yeah um so earth um earth produces mountains and seas and um all kinds of things. All kinds of things. Yeah. Um, by herself. But then she also reproduces with Skye. And just a little refresher from last week is that it results in the birth of the Titans. Yeah. Um. Including Um. Rhea. And uh Kronos, And Kronos, who is the youngest, youngest. Helios.
0: God, there's a whole pile of them. Yeah. There. There's six and six, right? Are Poius, these six? Prius, Hyperion, Kringos, Iapetus. Yeah. Iapetus. I-
1: Thea, Rhea, Wright, Memory, Phoebe, Tithus, and Cronus. And, of course... um, It's the race of the Titans. Yes. Um, Sky...
0: Yep, Uranus.
1: ...is not very well behaved. Yeah, well, he does what he does. He does what he does. Yeah, he's the first
0: despot in
1: some ways. So he... um, He
0: does what he is designed to do.
1: Yes. So... We talked about the story of his castration when we talked about Kronos, but I think we should just give a little recap because it's, it's been a few weeks, mm-hmm. or if somebody hasn't listened to that. Um, do you want to sure. kind of recap what happens with the...
0: Ur-Nos begins almost immediately uh, procreating with Gaia, with Earth, and he sires um, a number of generations of beings, the Cyclopes, the Hundred Handers, uh, uh, <coughs> there are three uh, Cyclopes, there are three 100-handers, as well as the what will go on to be the race of the Titans, and I believe that's a six and a six, six male and six female Titans. They are created inside of Gaia all right, through an uh, act of sexual Co- reproduction.
1: Yeah. Copulation.
0: Uh, but they are not allowed to be born, because at this point in the cosmic order and the model, Uranos, the sky or the heavens, are uh, is uh, on top of the earth, in physical contact yes. with the earth, and no space exists whereby which these beings can be given life. Yes. Right? So and I, I
1: sometimes think here... Of, they're embedded inside Gaia. Of uh, children's <clears throat> drawings, like in kindergarten and stuff, where they, you know, with the paints, and you do a big blue stripe across the top of the page, and that's yeah. the sky up there. And so here... Um, in, in the myth, the sky is not up there yet. The sky is tightly against the earth. Yeah. So, um, Gaia. That will
0: change what you learned about last time.
1: Yes. So just to recap that too, um, Gaia is all about procreation and she's all about the youngest generation and producing a new generation. And so she turns to her children inside of her because she can speak because they're inside of her. She can speak to them without, without Urnos knowing. And uh, she produces a, a sickle, and Kronos volunteers to cut off Ernos's genitals, um, which is very painful and causes him to arch up into the sky and yeah. separate from Earth.
0: Yeah, and <clears throat> from this primordial act of violence, he also it's also an act of creation as well.
1: hmm <clears throat> Because we get the furry, the furries, the, the furries. We get the furries. <laughs> no furries here. Oh, my goodness. Um, the furries. hmm um, and the, um, who else did we get?
0: You get the, the melai, the ash tree nymphs.
1: Uh, yes, the ash tree nymphs, and um, the giants. And the giants, yeah, yeah, the blood
0: brood. So all yeah. of these come as a result of the blood of the from the castration wound, and then you can go way back to Venus and talk about Aphrodite. But this idea of the blood itself, yes. uh, and that, that 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 Uranus is a fertile being, that the male sky gods that are starting to make their way into this cosmological order are themselves fertility beings as well. Yes, <clears throat> and the when the blood hits the earth, it creates these these this trinity of of, of beings, and you see correlations of this idea even in the book of Genesis when um uh, Abel's blood hits the earth in Genesis 4:10 says your brother's blood cries out from the soil then later on in Job 16:8 it says he says out loud earth do not cover my blood and let there be no place for my scream so the earth itself is um a place that um it, you know reacts to these types sort of moments of of uh, primordial violence mm-hmm. and they can also be extremely um fertile as well right yeah and we
1: and we did talk about how aphrodite um in our venus episode about about the birth of aphrodite um and how and how the female uh, a female fertility goddess comes out of this um male sky gods um yeah yeah Yeah.
0: so this at this act of violence is a is a is also uh depotentiation right it's a castration it's the beginning of the castration Mm -hmm. complex we see that the male genitalia, at this point, we're sort of getting the idea, at least in the sort of Freudian structuralist sense, that that's the locus of male power, all right? The source of domination, right? The sort of uh, phallic symbol. And once that's taken away, this being, Uranus, has become depotentiated. Mm-hmm. He's been neutered, in a way. And he, he very quickly, in the theogony, um, shrinks, not to the point of insignificance, but he is reined in by Gaia, mm-hmm. right? And so Gaia engineers his creation and function, but also engineers his fall, right?
1: And this episode, um, we haven't done an episode on Gaia yet. Um, mm-hmm. This episode here in, in, in Theogony um, is where we first see Gaia's Matus, her cunning intelligence. Sure. And we talked about Matus when we talked about Hermes and Hermes slash Mercury. Yes. Um, and even Zeus, I mentioned it a few yes, times with Zeus. Yes. Yeah. And so here here is is our first uh, our first time in Hesiod, Theogony that yeah. we see this quality yeah. um, where she is using it to um, for her own ends. Sure. Yeah.
0: It, it's the it's the ultimate sort of secret weapon, yeah. right? And but in t- instead of talking about it as a Gaia aspect, we want to keep it in the Uranian side of things and say what is it that Urnos, He does not have that quality. He exactly. doesn't have the prophetic or oracular quality either. Well, you know what? He does. He does have it because he talks about it a little bit later on when he prophesizes to his children, the titans, that they will be cursed and that they will be punished. That retribution or vengeance mm-hmm. is coming to them for what they did to him, right? Mm-hmm. Because as cruel as it might, may be or uh, as much as a crime as it may be, that this is something that children should not do, uh, Cronus, that is, and his siblings should not do to a father, mm-hmm. right? Is to, to, to do this, to, to get involved, at least in the first phase of the succession myth, right? The usurpation well, cycle. But I also want to add that we're still dealing with strength, because Uranus is strength, right? Yeah. Gaia has to fall back to Matus and the children because she doesn't have the strength to overcome him in a physical contest. Because this, uh, this is a world that is, is, at this point, yes, it's male and female, but it's, it's egalitarian when it comes to that. When she makes him as a partner, as an equal, if it's a 50 pushing against a 50, that's, you know, that's not going to happen, right? Nothing happens. She can't get him off of her.
1: And, the, and this is where we, we see this cycle starting in the succession myth of yeah. vengeance, which is retributive justice, sure. because um, Uranus's crime, and it is a crime, yeah. is preventing the birth of further creation. And as, as, as I was saying earlier, Gaia yeah. is all about that. And right. so he is punished for that, but then in turn his punishers are also punished. And it kind of it goes you know, back and
0: forth. It could be turned on his head as a kind of a semantic argument because he is, in fact, creating life. What is the crime is that they're not being allowed to exist. Yeah. Right? And, I, and I, I just finished rereading sections of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and talking about another person who creates another being, just like Uranus creates his children, right, uh, with Gaia. Victor von Frankenstein creates Frankenstein's monster and the modern Prometheus, right? And and Uranus sort of like Victor Frankenstein, is abandons his creations, right? He um, he's a being that was too afraid in many ways to claim responsibility for what he had created, right? And um, their their existence, these children, the Cyclopes, the Hundred Handers, the, the the Titans themselves, their existence is robbed of meaning. And that might be ultimately what the crime is. Yes, Gaia wants life, and I'm sure that all goes with it, but there's something else there. They, they, they're they not persons in the philosophical sense, right? They're not allowed to exist, right? So she takes steps in order to to rectify that situation, right? And, and to push the analogy slightly further, when Victor, Victor Frankenstein saw what he had created, he was horrified. Terror was his reaction, right? And Uranus, when he saw what he had created, his first creations, the cycle and the hundred handers, he was um, you know it says that he was
1: uh, well I, I want to talk about yeah. that actually because um, one of the things in myth mm-hmm. is you can learn about the parent, mm-hmm. the mythological parent by looking at their children yeah. because aspects of the parent come through with genetic
0: inheritance Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and uh, so when we have a look at about line 207, Great mm-hmm. Sky their father called his sons titans or strainers, mm-hmm. quarreling with the sons whom he himself begot he said they strained in wickedness to do a deed of great evil, but there would be revenge afterwards. Yeah,
0: overreachers, titanium. Now, and before that, though, it does talk about the aspects of the Cyclopes and the Hundred-Handers that Uranus was, was uh, frightened by, challenged by, right? says something like um, he, um, you know, I can't remember the exact words. I wish I had it, but when he saw their manhood.
1: Yeah, right? I'm just looking to, I think that it, that's actually a little bit, you know, and, he, and
0: he was horrified at what he had created, right? The sum yeah. of his ambition, and I'm thinking now about, about Victor von Frankenstein, in a sense, you know, Frankenstein's monster, uh, was to create, you know, something, right? And that, that resulted in a terror. It's the pride of knowledge and untempered wisdom. But he, Uranus is, a, at this point, pretty much a mechanism, right, for procreation. And he is punished for his mm-hmm. choices. There's judgment here, right? They say like the claw law, right? The lex telonis, the law of retribution is a red claw law, right? Because it means that there will be an unending cycle of vengeance, that blood will be spilled. So here's the beginning, right? It's a primordial act of violence. And myth is violent, right? You light the fuse, and here it is, right? And it And it's a generational contest. Here is an example of the succession myth when... Uh, you know, sons rise against fathers, right? You know, but actually, you know, another thing that I find really interesting too is this idea that the subtext is not only the succession myth and sort of the showcasing of the quality of Matus or prophecy, the rise of Zeus and Hesiod's Theogony, but also that idea of the, uh, I, I want to call it conflict of the orders, but I don't want people thinking about like Roman cursus honorum or anything. It's about... The, co- the combat in the between genders in some way, about how we're seeing in embedded in the story the um, fall, I'm, I'm just going to say fall right now for lack of a better word, of female fertility goddesses uh, and subordination shift, to yeah. male sky gods, right? Yeah,
1: a shift. Uh, right,
0: so you're getting it very early in the primordial cosmos, yeah. right? They're still there, right? And they'll find what channels they need to work through. But it be, it will become a male-dominated and patriarchal order. It will be Zeus, sky gods,
1: and right? Gaia's powers um, devolve, so to speak, down through her female children. That's so, right. yeah. um, down Straight to down. Artemis and Aphrodite, and, yeah. and lots of other ones. But yeah. her her she she will fade into the background, mythologically yes. speaking. Yeah. Um, I think the last time that we really see her is him to Aphrodite. No. um... um him to Demeter, him, him to Demeter. Um, and she fades into the background because she's not needed anymore she, right. there's, there's enough fertility goddesses that carry on different aspects of, of her fertility nature
0: absolutely like picture Gaia at the beginning you know, for all her fertility made us in, in prophecy like a plate glass window once the rise of Zeus comes up you know, Zeus basically throws a uh, a thunderbolt, let's say, metaphorically speaking, through that plate glass window, and all those fragments are absorbed and redistributed into yeah. the pantheon of goddesses and male gods, right? Because I think that's something that's overlooked. We right away qualify fertility with feminine, but in this in this uh, in this system, um, there, no, there no are no case. there are male yeah. for, male absolutely male fertility, there are. Yeah. right, absolutely there are yeah. right. So there there is more it's something else that 's sort of going on right it 's earth versus sky right and it 's male and female right yeah. um, so you, you you sort of see that idea um going on uh, in the early pages and these these this idea of you know female earth goddesses um, being subordinated by male sky gods uh, um, is a, a fairly popular idea in, in you know mythic scholars mythic scholars talk about it. And the, one of the quotes that I had from um, a scholar that I, I got a chance to work with at Brock University shed a little light on it. And he said, the worlds are constructed. And this is what we're getting with Hesiod. Hesiod is, is constructing a world. He's constructing a cosmic order. And he's saying that this is the true one. There are many alternatives.
1: Yes, right. and we really only have Hesiods yeah. to go with. And we really only have Hesiods um, to go but, with bits and pieces. But right? he is constructing something specific right. mind. So and we mind. Again, we, we talked about that last last week, um, or one of the previous episodes.
0: And the quote is that worlds are constructed by the careful reformulization of worlds that were already there. Yeah. Right? So this is not a sui generis production, right? This builds legitimacy when we do this, because an audience will recognize its former face, right? And it'll say, oh, is that, oh I kind of know, is that the way really, it really was? And he it says, yes, this is the way it really was, right? It aids in its success, right? And and that's what they call soft force uh, as far as persuasion is concerned. I don't beat you over the head with a new ideology. I reformulate what you already know. I reshape it. And you recognize it, and then you accept it through the soft force persuasion, right? and And those are types of things that um Hesiod's working on working with
1: and the other thing again for those who are less familiar with with um the poetry um Hesiod spends a good chunk at the beginning of the poem oh. basically giving us his source which is the which S- are the muses, muses. Um, which are sent by Zeus, and they can tell you, they can persuade you of things, both truth, uh, truth and uh, and falsehood. That's right, right. You've got the both sides with with the muses. Yeah, um, and so it's, which is a
0: great, it's a it in itself is a fascinating insight into the nature of knowledge in the ancient Greek world.
1: So it's like. Uh, Hesiod is citing his sources for the poem he's going to write by saying, I got this from the muses, and here's how they gave it to me, and here's Mm -hmm. how how they told me. And you're getting it exactly how they gave it to me. Um, And so that's um, how he gets authority right. how he presents himself as as having authority to tell this tale yeah. and this version of the tale
0: yeah his divine encounter on the slopes of mount helicon he yeah. receives what he calls Eleutheia true things right that's like okay, hey, pay attention because everything that i'm going to tell you in this poem is going to be the truth what you've heard before although you may recognize some of it is in fact lies right so he yeah. will be the purveyor of that yeah. ultimate wisdom that, that's a very sort of interesting um, concept that goes on with him. In Uranus, you know, he plays a, plays a little bit of a role at the beginning. But that little role is really so, so important in kind of characterizing how the rest of the story is going to go. Mm-hmm. Right? Because it is about fertility. And it is about criminality. And it is about sexuality and violence. And right? it's
1: about the natural, um, the natural order of things from a yes. human perspective of sons taking over their fathers. And because we're dealing with immortal gods, the sons can't wait around for the fathers to die and take over. So if it, if it's going to progress, if the sons are going to come into their own, then they need to make it happen.
0: They need to make it happen. Some
1: there needs to be some mechanism, yeah. right? Yeah. Because allow- Ernos isn't killed; right. he's he is still there. Um, yeah. Kronos isn't killed; no. he's just imprisoned, right? No. So on Earth, you you on Earth, you would wait around. For your father to die and yeah. then take over, yeah. um, but for the gods, it's, it doesn't work that way. Doesn't really work that way. No,
0: it's yeah. a, it's a little be bit. Be waiting different. a really long time. I think they'd be waiting a really long time. Yeah, there needs to be some sort of mythological um, system that needs to be established. No, well, there so is. This one, is what they exactly, <laughs> So that one Violence. one generation can overcome the other, right? Yeah. Otherwise, you have you have um, that stagnation right? yes. that works in opposition to everything that Hesiod's talking about. Profundity, the profundity of life, right? The sort of, uh, what do they call the adbullient quality, the bubbling mass, right? So that's the way that the universe is supposed to go, right? And after the castration, right, and after, you know, Kronos is set up, then boom, you get that massive section where the, the universe just... It Ex- complicates yeah. itself extraordinarily, right, with all the new births, right? Yeah. So that's all in there. So you can see that Uranus, uh, the depotentiation of Uranus is um, really linked to that that pivotal moment. It, it's kind well, of like, and, a, and it's, it's criti- like a
1: big bang. It's it's critical to how, how Cronus is going to rule because yeah. he knows what he did to his father that's and right. he knows that he's vulnerable. Yeah, And he chooses a different way, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't work. Yeah. Um, but... We see Kronos saying, "Okay, I did this to my father. I'm not going to let my children do this to me. Yeah. I'm going to eat them yeah. and put them. Since having them inside the mother doesn't work, I'm going to have them inside of me. Mm-hmm. See, um, and it, that, of course, we, as we know, doesn't work, right?
0: Thinking back to Uranos for a section about why he, for for a second about why he does what he does, and the Greek word hedonai, right, where we get hedonistic pleasure, comes unto, comes to mind, right? And Uranos is very much hedonistic, right? He's pleasure-oriented. I don't know how complicated his (laughs) psyche would be, right, as a being. These are very early on primordial elemental beings. But lust, eros, the erotic, is loose in the universe. And here's one of the first beings, right, to pick up that call and
1: and do what he does, and right? it's it's not even that eros is lust it's eros uh, is that force of attraction it's like yeah. a force like gravity it's a yeah. force of attraction yeah. that he's not he's not able to do anything else
0: yeah but you know the sexes are drawn together yeah right? exactly that that's mystery. that's what i mean yeah. like it's yeah.
1: it's it's not something that like it's like gravity you mm-hmm. can't resist it it's yeah. it's there and it's
0: and he and he does what he does right so that is that is uranos's The nature of Erinos' crime, right, is is evolved around pleasure. Yeah. Right? And uh, for that, he is judged. Yeah. Right? And for that, he is punished. Right? And you know how the rest of it works out. Now, when you look at Kronos, right, Kronos modifies his behavior slightly. Right when it comes to the relationship with the children, but not enough. But not <laughs> enough, right? Not enough, and his desire, right, for power, this time, right, yeah. is what sets him up. Right? Gaia said, "Okay, you're in charge, Sonny. Good luck." Right, and here's a prophecy: Look out for your last-born son. And then she goes and does the laundry with yeah. with Uranus. He's still there. Yeah. Right. He's he's like. You know, you see Louis the Fourteenth or whatever has those little dogs that sit on the lap dog, like you know, in all the in Renaissance art. Okay. Little lap dogs became you know in fashion and stuff like that. That's what Uranus is, right? He, Gaia is large and in charge he's, in the at this yeah. point in the universe, and he becomes a hangers on He becomes Prince Philip to Queen Elizabeth, right? He, he, he was a stud, right, but now he's been emasculated, right, and depotentiated, and he's, I, and he's I just, simple window dressing in a fancy uniform. <laughs> For the woman who has all the power.
1: Right? I'm just going to apologize like to all our listeners who are royal you don't fans. Have to, no, you don't have to. <laughs> podcast. You get saucy <laughs> language. You get all kinds of stuff.
0: It's all oh good. Oh, dear. <laughs> right? So that, that's, that's, that's Urunasa in a nutshell. And it actually does mention him one other point later on in Hase's Theogony, when he simply mentioned being in the company of Gaia.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? And And that's all. It's it's when it's when Raya decides to go yeah. see her mother and her father, right? For, for help, advice. Right. And and they say, Oh, you know, you gotta do something. And they're just they're chilling, you know, they're they're in the twilight of their years and who knows, maybe they're retired.
1: <laughs> moved up to Elliott Lake.
0: They've moved <laughs> up to Yeah, I don't know, they're living in Elliott Lake. I don't know why we're <laughs> Elliot Lake. Okay.
1: So I think that that really does Uranus. i am not sure that we've got much more to say about him um why not because i think well we don't want to flog a dead horse here okay <laughs> we're gonna start repeating ourselves mercury <laughs> venus
0: earth mars jupiter saturn Uranus. right yes. one two three four five six seventh planet from the sun yes. uranos caelum and rome right but and the myth is exactly the same
1: Neptune is next. Neptune is next.
0: Mm -hmm. Neptune, Poseidon, Trident, Canatuna, the blue ball, we'll be looking at the hyper virile, violent and sexual being that is Poseidon in the so, next
1: podcast yes and we don't have any listener mail because I'm not sure I'm not sure do we have listeners I'm not even sure this, if we have listeners people are certainly downloading not important <laughs> yes it is our listeners are very important to us of course um, I just want to share another book that I just started reading I found it in the big box bookstore that is about the only bookstore left in Canada um, and it uh, was in the discount pile so I got a really good deal on it and it's this one's by Richard Cohen, and it's called "Chasing the Sun," and it's basically the story of the sun. So, um, anthropology, mythology, um, science—just without being too. T- I mean, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not too. F- I'm only about four or five chapters
0: ad- into it. To put it back in where when we did the sun yeah, itself. Yeah,
1: but that's why I'm sharing it now. Absolutely. Um, I just finished an interesting chapter <clears throat> on eclipses and aurora borealis and um some of the how how those uh phenomenon have been thought about throughout time and the fear that they um caused and that kind of thing um there's a little bit of science in it because there has to be um but it is a very enjoyable read and um i'm yeah, and th- he's going to be talking about like how how we use this well, to navigate to the and technology. Notes. So it's again, if you're interested in history of science stuff like I am, um, it is a nice one to geek out on. And I never thought I'd be as interested in astronomy as I actually have. I've <laughs> become more interested in astronomy since starting this uh, right. our, this uh, planetary tour. That's the good, it's the good it's yeah. good reads section. Yeah. Okay. So, um, a little bit shorter this week. But um,
0: tune in next week when we'll yeah. be looking at Poseidon. We'll be looking well, at next F2. episode. Yeah, when That's we right. get there. Um, yep. I always say next week. Yeah. So it should be weekly. It's not. On not
1: behalf it. of the cat. Yep. Good night. Drop us a line on Twitter. I'm at Ines Allison. I'm at Darren Sundstrom. As usual, uh, show notes, links, everything like that will be up on the blog. Right on. And have a good night. Have a good night. Stay, Stay cool. Keep your chin
0: up. Yeah.